0: ESPN Radio Sports Center. I'm Bob Picosia. The appeal was filed May 23rd. The second U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals today rejected Tom Brady's request to even hear the appeal. That means the ruling of a three judge panel from that same court stands. ESPN NFL insider Adam Schefter on what this means for the Patriots.
1: Tom Brady's four game suspension, barring something dramatically unforeseen, is going to stand. And Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the Patriots' starting quarterback for the first four games of the season. It's a scenario that the Patriots prepared
0: for last year. They were spared that. Spared because a federal judge overturned the four-game suspension last September. The Cleveland Browns say the defenseman Desmond Bryant will likely miss the entire season after undergoing surgery yesterday to repair a torn pectoral muscle. Running back Brandon Ross was signed today by the Green Bay Packers. He was not drafted. Tigers outfielder Anthony Gose who was suspended on July 10th following a dugout argument with his AAA manager, Lloyd McClendon, was reinstated, then demoted to AA Erie.
2: Want cash back at Costco, Sam's Club, and BJ's today? Use your Bank of card Cash Rewards Visa credit card and earn 2% cash back at wholesale clubs. Learn more at bankofamerica.com slash getcashback.
3: Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in Tallahassee's All Saints District, this is The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones, presented by Hobson Chevrolet. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom Block and Keith Jones.
4: Hello again, everybody. Tom and Keith with you. Big show on tap is always so big, in fact, that we're going to welcome an Olympian to the program. How about that? And it's not every week. And matter of fact, I don't think it's been any week that we've said that. But Marvin Bracey is kind enough to join us. And he is headed to Rio. Marvin, thanks so much for your time. How are you?
2: I'm finding yourself, sir. Thank you guys for having me. You bet. So, I know that
4: it's only been a couple of weeks, but has that sunk in, Mark? Olympian, 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 Marvin. Olympian, how's that sound?
2: It, the weird thing about it, it still hasn't, man. Um, you know, it's like any other day to me. Um, I haven't, you know, been overjoyed. I had this, you know, this, this crazy feeling, but I'm pretty sure it'll happen, you know, once we get to Rio.
4: Going back to when you first started running or whatever sport you played first, when was the first time you remember dreaming that someday you might be an Olympian? When did that become a goal?
2: Um, I think it was around, around my sophomore year. Um, I was playing football first, but I had never made it past the JV level. So, you know, I was like, you know, maybe I'll try to track, you know, not knowing that, you know, I would someday become professional. And, you know, when I saw that I was actually really good at this, I was like, you know, maybe, you know, the Olympics is a shot. And uh, going into 2012, uh, you know, it was talk, So you know, I'm going to be at trials and stuff, but I ended up getting hurt. So that kind of deferred my dream. But, you know, around you know, my 10th grade year, I thought about, you know, maybe someday I can make the Olympic team.
4: Well, and you've done that, and congratulations to you. I, I'm curious, and I'll ask you this now because you're on the Olympic team and you made it. Your sport as a 100-meter as a sprinter, maybe more than any other sport, there is absolutely no margin for error. In other words, uh, if you're running a marathon and you misstep, well, you can probably recover. If you're running a hundred meter dash and you've trained four years and you misstep, you're not gonna be on the Olympic team. So I'm just wondering how you process that when this is the sport that you choose to compete in.
2: Man, when you uh you know, when you train so hard for something, man, it's like, you know, you gotta like you, you shoot for flawless, you know, and sometimes you still make mistakes and that's just a part of being human, but you can't even think about stuff like that, man. You just gotta go into that race knowing that you train so hard and that, you know, everything is gonna show. And, you know, that can hopefully
5: get you through the race error-free. Mark, excuse me, Marvin, for our listeners that may not be aware, obviously you signed a football scholarship with Florida State, made the decision to turn pro on the track side right before the 2013 National Championship season. Uh, so my first question as a former football player, any, any regrets there? Because uh, if you just um, you just hung regret. on, you'd get that ring, so to speak.
2: Uh, re- regret, no. Regret, um, no. Because you know, I mean, I you know, I made a choice for a reason. Um, just stuff wasn't going the way I you know I wanted it to. Even though it was only a year, I didn't really give myself time. But you know, I really regret. Everything happens for a reason. You know, I you know, this was just my calling. To you know, you know, become you know, a track athlete, and you know, I just took it around with it, literally.
5: Well, I grew up in Central Florida as well, Wildwood, uh about 50 miles outside of Orlando. And of course, uh, you're from Boone high school in the Orlando area. Uh talk a little bit about the the, the disappointment of the twenty twelve trials and and what that did to help you be better prepared for the twenty sixteen trials.
2: Uh you know being you know being that I was you know eighteen years old and uh, you know, I had these high hopes, you know, I didn't know, you know, that going into the trials it would be this hard because, you know, it was hard to end up third. So, you know, and that back then, like the twenty twelve trials was actually I think a little bit faster if I'm not mistaken um but you know I hadn't I hadn't even run nine seconds by then so you know I can only imagine what I was you know getting myself into you know in 2012 but you know the I was really disappointed because it's something that I had like I said I worked so hard for and to be sidelined by injury man it was like you know you could never tell if you were like you're good enough you know to make that team or you know what you know what it came about or even if I'd have ran fast enough to not even have to go to college you know so all that kind of comes into play, but you kind of not try to think, think about
4: that stuff. We're talking with Marvin Bracey, former Florida State football player and uh, track and field athlete. You turned pro May of 2013, as Keith just mentioned. So we're basically three three years later and you've been a professional for three years. I'm curious, what what is that like as a professional track and field athlete? I don't have a feel, especially as a sprinter, uh, you know, I, what's a typical day? What's a typical month? What's the, the season, the off season? Uh, and how much... You know, as an eighteen and nineteen year old turning pro, I mean, you had to mature in a in a pretty big hurry there to 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 work at your craft.
2: Yeah, man, it's actually you know it's really it's really challenging because um, you got to go from being you know I went from over literally overnight being you know a careless uh, freshman uh, college you know, kid to uh, you know semi big time you know track star. So you know you got to be really disciplined. You got to make sure that you know it's so much going into it like. The practices are a little harder, but you also got to get treatment even when you don't need it, you know what I'm saying? You may get a deep tissue massage weekly and you be feeling just fine. You got to eat correctly. You got to keep your weight down. You have to, you know, train properly. You have to be with a good system. You you need solid training partners. You know, it's so much to go into it. And people only see, you know, the fast times or, you know, even the slow times. And they're like, oh, he's doing this wrong, he's doing that wrong. And they don't know, you know, what's coming behind it because you got to realize that, on a daily basis, you're sort of you fully exerting yourself to your max potential every day. So you're literally breaking something down, every day, having to recover, to do it all over again. You know, for months at a time because we train November second. Well, that's the start, and the season, the last race of the track season is officially the September seventh. So you basically almost year round. So you got to try to go injury free year round, eating correctly year round. You know, staying disciplined year round. So it's like it's really hard. And it was a really,
4: really hard transition. I'm curious right now, so uh, give us a thumbnail sketch of what your training looks like between now and Rio. And I, I'm just going to guess. I don't know is the is the hundred meter is that the second week of the Olympics? Since it's more of a high profile event, I don't know what day your actual prelims start. But basically, between now and whenever you first are going to be racing in Rio, uh, what's your training schedule look like?
2: Actually, the first uh, the hundred is the first event. Well, one of the first events of the competition. We start on August twelfth. And it's the prelims are August 12th, and the semis and the finals are on August 13th. And then there's a big break because, you know, the 100 runners are usually the relay, so the relay is at the very end. But but um, as far as now, you know, nothing really different. Um, We're going to do the same stuff, you know, that got us there. We may ramp it up some days, you know, just to make sure the body is, you know, taking it ready to go and ready to explode. But, you know, nothing really different. We're probably going to come off some weight and just, you know, get prepared, you know, physically and mentally you know, to take care of these, uh,
5: to get a medal, Marvin. Will this be this? This will not be your first trip to Rio. I, I, I think I read somewhere we, you have competed in Brazil uh, previously. Is that correct?
2: Uh, it, it is my first time in Rio, actually. Okay. Um, I actually went to Belém or Belém or however you pronounce right, it. Right, right, right. Um, last, actually, I think it was 2014. I went and competed, uh, ran 100, and it was hot down there. Yeah, you so
6: ran
5: hot. a 10-14, if, if my yes, notes sir. are yes, correct. You probably get this question asked three or four times a day, so we'll uh, make sure that uh, we uh, bore you with it as, uh, again. But uh, any reservations about uh, headed down to Rio, given some of the negative things we hear about the water and the testing facilities and the, the, the construction delays, and the Zika virus, the, you know, all that stuff, any, anything in the back of your mind or are you uh, choosing to just ignore all that? Um, You know, it's definitely something to
2: think about. But, man, you know, like I said, it's something i work worked so hard for, so I'm not going to let, you know, this stuff, you know, scare me you know, into going to, you know, make sure I maximize, you know, all my potential on this trip. I'm pretty sure that, you know, the USA truck and field people will make sure that, you know, we're well taken care of, you know, replenished with water and, you know, the right vitamins and nutrients to make sure that, you know, we come out successful at this meeting and, you know, we just go Take care of business, you know, on our behalf, and just you know, stay as safe as possible, and you know, go and come back. And one
5: piece. Well, the three that have qualified for our listeners are uh, obviously Marvin, uh, Trayvon Bromell, and of course the old guy, uh, Justin Gatlin. And uh, I'm just curious: have you had an opportunity to develop uh, any type of relationship with Justin? Have you competed against him? I mean, he is old by everybody's standards. He's he's a, <laughs> a, a, he's 34 years of age. How in the world um, <laughs> competed all the way back? I think in the 2004 Olympics. But uh, yep. talk about uh, the the uh, experience that uh, you can kind of latch on to his. Coattail and enjoy.
2: You know, I was you know before I even became you know before I became an enemy, I guess you know you can call it. I was a big fan. You know, I was a really huge fan of him. You know, I actually used to see him all the time at Florida Relays. You know, every year growing up, I'm like, man, that's you know Justin Gatlin. Now, you know, we show up in the race. I'm like, damn, that's Justin Gatlin. But you know, he's he's a tough competitor, man. He you know he like you know like people call him old, you know, but he still got it. And, you know, from watching him over the time, you know, I've, you know, I've learned a lot and, you know, hopefully, you know, I can apply, you know, myself in that same form and fashion, you know, throughout my career. Cause, you know, he's been successful, you know, just about every year he's competed. You can't really find a bad year, you know, so to say, but, you know, I'm actually like, I actually have a closer relationship with, uh with Bromel, you know, as far, you know, in comparison to the both
5: when will how does it work uh as regards the the relays will you will you be a candidate for the four by 100 or or uh, yeah uh,
2: us usually, that. usually top three is automatically on the relay and we add a fourth now how that may lie I, I don't know you know uh, Dennis Mitchell is actually the coach and you know he and I are actually pretty cool and you know I'm pretty sure that you know I can be useful for this team so you know being that I was top three, you know. I kind of got a slight advantage, you know, on being on the relay.
4: Let me ask you this: going back to the question about those 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 three, if I'm not mistaken, Gatlin's from Pensacola and uh, yep. Bromell is from St. Pete, and you're from Orlando, all so all Floridians. So I'm noticing. I guess it's true <laughs> that there is some speed in the state of Florida.
2: Oh man, by far we're definitely the fastest state, man. That's like that's no debate, man. You know, there's no fast guys from over all over scattered across the place, but I think you know Florida as a whole. You know, it's, it's just something about those Florida guys.
5: Well, there's a tall, lanky guy from an island somewhere that I think might have a little bit uh, of speed out there. <laughs> yeah. Have, have, have yeah. you run against Baltimore? I mean,
2: about that's a whole country.
5: Uh, We're talking about exactly one y- day out of 50. You are correct. I, I sit corrected.
4: Let me ask you this. So, I mean, you're talking about a rock star. I mean, the guy that's the fastest human in the world. Uh, I, I'm sure that you've run against him at some point in your professional career. So, what Actually, was that no, like? You have not.
2: Never in my life have I ever raced them. Okay. I, got, I almost had the opportunity, but I ended up shutting my
4: season down. Okay. All right. Well, then we'll count on seeing you in the finals against him in Rio, all right, and, yes, and, and take it home. Um, again, we're talking with Marvin Bracey, folks, who's getting ready for the uh, the Olympics here in Rio in a, in a few weeks. We are talking about fast guys from Florida, and, and the, the guy that I'm thinking of is Kermit Whitfield, who's, of course, on the FSU football team still, and he's your cousin. Is that right? That is right. All right. So when's the last time you guys raced? And how bad did you um, dust him by?
2: The last time, the last time I you know, really remember racing him like in an individual race was, I believe, um, oh, man, it was a, uh, it was, I can't think of the name of it, but there was a race at at uh, Winter Park High School. I believe it was my junior year of high school, and I I beat him pretty bad. Like it was not even close. Uh, he was a tough competitor, but, you know, when it came to me, he just, you know, he had to give way.
5: Well, we, we've seen him on a national stage do something quite spectacular in 100 yards. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing you on a world stage do something quite spectacular oh, yeah. in 100 meters. Yes, sir. I'm definitely looking forward to it as well.
4: Well, and, and you can bring back a medal so that when he shows you his championship ring from 2013, you can one-up him Correct. with an Olympic medal. <laughs>
2: right. You know, because that's all you know. We always have, you know, we always go back and forth like that. Oh, well, I got a national championship. And I'm like, well, you know. Uh, even though all I got is the orange bowl, you know, whatever.
4: Right, we'll, le- we'll let you get going here in a couple of minutes. But I'm curious, that, so at this point in your career, uh, not that I would expect you to be uh, making significant changes right now, a month out from the Olympics, but what things are you consistently working to improve from a technical standpoint? Is it your starts? Is it your form? Is there something in particular?
2: Um, you know, I, you know I, we have a, a biomechanic, biomechanic guy that comes you know, by the name of Ralph Mann. You know, he comes around, you know, he makes a tour around the U.S. working with, you know, various athletes. And, you know, he kind of shows, you know, what you're doing wrong, what you need to be doing through, like, you know, a model on a computer. But, you know, I'm always working on my start, making sure I nail it. But, you know, it's become to the point where it's kind of, you know, it's really consistent. And so, you know, I need to work, you know, from from 70 to 100, you know, making sure that finish is there, you know, because I don't particularly train for the 200, so – you know, a lot of guys have that advantage, like they run 100. As far as, like, Br- Gatlin, Bromel, you know, guys like that, they train and run a great 200, so they have that strength to, you know, be fin- to finish from 70 to 30, you know, kind of keeping pace, whereas other people are, like, starting to slow down because, you know, at that point you're not getting any faster. It's about, now, who's going to slow down these slowest? So, you know, I need to just work on, you know, do maybe some longer workouts to kind of, you know, get that strength back and to make sure that I can finish a whole 100, and, you know, that way you drop into, like, the 9-8 and the 9-7 contention.
4: Well, that makes sense, and th- and then a final thought. If I'm not mistaken, the the gentleman who's the sprint's coach now at FSU was he actually your high school coach or your personal coach yeah, at some point he was along the way?
2: Yeah, Yes, sir, that is him.
4: All right. Well, he's at he's at Florida State now. Is he is he headed to Rio with you? Or I mean, how big of no a-
2: no um, we uh, I have a you know, my coach has a well I'm with an Adidas coach by the name of uh, Lance Braman, a mm-hmm. uh, great guy, um, you know, family man, um, very honorable. You know, he's produced you know tremendous athletes, and actually about like I think maybe 60 percent of our group. Is going, you know, we have a couple of uh, internationals, like, you know, Shawnee Miller, she's the top Bahamian, Nikhil um, Ashmead, he made the Jamaican team, and a few Trinidadian athletes. So, you know, we have a solid, solid, solid group, and, you know, it's all thanks to that man.
4: Well, and this is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Pure Athletics Track Club in Claremont? Yep.
2: Is yes,
4: sir, that is it. All right, well, uh, best of luck uh, to that whole club, and to, to you in particular. We really can't uh, thank you enough for spending a little bit of your time as you get ready for the Olympics with us. Best of luck to you, Marvin.
2: No, no, thank you guys. I appreciate you guys having me and taking the time out. See you. Safe, know, safe travels uh, and again I the... and I look forward to competing. All right, safe travels.
4: So we'll have you on in about five weeks when you come home with a medal. All right, Marvin?
2: Yes, sir, definitely. Thank you.
4: <laughs> all righty, thanks so much, Marvin Bracey. And uh uh, you know he he tends to function in 10 second clips there with what he does in the 100 meters so we appreciate him spending 10 or 15 minutes with the keys so a lot to react to and uh, we will get to that when we we're just getting cranked up right out of the gates out of the starting blocks we fire the gun and we welcome an Olympian to the show but uh, we'll continue with more of the front row right after this
6: It's the Wakala Report, a quick take on news and events in and around Wakulla, Brought to you locally by Prime Meridian Bank, Tallahassee, and Crawfordville. If it's important to you, it's important to us. Congratulations to Wakulla High grad and FSU track and cross-country runner Madison Harris, who won the fourth annual Freedom Run in Wakulla Springs State Park. And the Wakulla County Rec Department reminds everyone that pickup basketball games are held every Monday and Wednesday in July at the Wakulla County Community Center Gymnasium, 318 Shadeville Highway, Crawfordville. Call 926-7227 for detail. This has been the Wakulla Report brought to you by your friends at Prime Meridian Bank. Personal service, local decision making, Prime Meridian Bank, Tallahassee, Crawfordville, or on the web at trymybank.com. Equal Housing Lender, member FDIC. The weather's hot and the deals are hot in Cairo,
1: Georgia. I'm Bob Hobson. If you're looking for a great deal on a new or used car, truck, or SUV, it's at Hobson Chevrolet Buick in Cairo, Georgia. Pick out your vehicle. We'll appraise your trade-in. With 0% available and up to $10,000 in discounts, we just make it easy. No games here. Come by and see us or check us out at HobsonChevrolet.com. Buy your new Chevrolet the Hobson way. July special on any new or used truck. Get a free bedliner. Come by and see us.
3: We're listening to the front row with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Got a question? Email them at the front row at 979-espnradio.com. Here's Tom and Keith. We welcome you back
4: to the front row. Tom and Keith back with you. A big tip of the cap to Marvin Bracy who at I'm the tired already the, the grizzled old age of 22 is headed to Rio for
5: the Olympics I'm tired already I, I don't think I could even run 100 meters if I had to yeah
4: that's probably true that would that would make for some good radio you and i should run 100 meters together and see if we can pull all four hamstrings I was gonna say, is it gonna be two <laughs> hamstrings
5: three or four yeah exactly
4: <laughs> appreciate marvin uh joining us uh and and we brought him in at the top of the show that was his window so uh we did things a little bit uh out of order from the norm but that really there is no norm but uh, we do wish him the best of luck uh you and i were just talking during the break keith that you know as fans we become selfish in other words Florida State basketball fan didn't want to hear that Malik Beasley was turning pro. Florida State football fan a few years ago didn't want to think about Marvin Bracey leaving. We want to think about what he's going to do in a Florida State uniform on the field that fall.
5: And to some degree, if we'll be if we'll be brutally honest, if they leave early or we didn't want them to leave, we kind of hope they don't make it. I mean, we don't want anything bad to happen to them, but, but we don't want them to excel. Uh, and I think Marvin and Malik I, both have proven that uh, whatever advice they were getting the counsel they were getting the consideration that they gave to their decision has has turned out to be pretty sound
4: yeah i might definitely and i might soften a little bit what you said to maybe we pull harder for guys that were vested for the full time or sort of earned their stripes here i i I can't say that i know anybody that would definitively root against somebody because they left early but I, i get what your point is yeah uh Compared to somebody that's been here, and and uh, and in football now, that's sort of turned football. If you've done your three years, like nobody's going to say anything about Jameis Winston turning pro. He was the first pick in the draft, you know, and all the guys that are going three years. It'll be Dalvin after this year. He'll do three years, and we'll say thank you for all the bumps and bruises, and best of luck uh, to you. That, that's the, the just the way the new order is. You are correct, exactly right. I need to mention that uh, a portion of our program is always is brought your way by Madison Social. Trivia Night is every Tuesday. Next Tuesday, it's Billy Madison uh, Trivia Social. Uh, This Friday, and Keith and I cannot elaborate on this at all. At least I can't. Maybe you can. But uh, they're having a Pokemon uh, bar crawl crawl, uh, this week in light of the craze that has swept our nation. That's Friday night, 7 to 10, Madison Social teaming up with Proof. Uh, And based on the circus that that has become, I'm sure they'll have a good crowd. Well,
5: two things uh, that will continue to reinforce the fact that I'm out of touch and old. Um, I know and have heard of Pokemon, don't know what iteration this is, and I've never been on a bar crawl, so I'm <laughs> completely clueless. Well, <laughs> I've crawled out of a bar, but I've never been on a bar crawl.
4: I could go a lot of directions with that, and I'm going to choose the high road. Let's move along. Or the not as low road, and just move along right now. How about that? Uh Things that are, that are on the uh, agenda here. We will get to our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeldt, uh, coming up and talk about all things Florida State. But the, uh, and, and I think with him, we can discuss the uh, non-conference basketball schedule, which came out uh, earlier this week. The biggest uh, happening that, that's going on right now outside of SEC media days, and there is actual sports going on outside of SEC media days, if you weren't aware, is that the ACC kickoff is next week, and there's starting to be more than a murmur that there might be an announcement. What, about what's an that AC- called? Chatter? They're starting to be chatter. Now, who knows? But I will say it's reached the level now that if the commissioner does not address it or just gives his normal response of, we're just continuing to survey the landscape, blah, 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 there's actually going to be disappointment now. Because for a long time, and by a long time, I really mean about the last three years, Keith, most media did not think the ACC network was ever going to come to fruition. Most might be overstating it. A lot of media completely skeptical. You and I have been glasses half full on this because we have contacts inside the industry and they have been working on it. We haven't been making this up. We can't give you details on, on what it's going to look like or when it's going to be announced. But but And I'm not saying this is going to be an I told you so moment, but it is coming and maybe it'll be officially announced within the next eight days.
5: One of the things that came out in the last couple of weeks that points to that uh, being the case is... Um, Twofold. Number one, uh, ESPN announcing that they have begun the process of and are going to start rolling out their standalone viewing products. In other words, directly to consumer, not through a cable or dish or direct TV. Right. They're doing that, whether it's an ACC network or not. That's been announced. Secondly, the guy that headed It hasn't up,
4: been formally announced. It's been reported that it's going to be announced. Well,
5: it, it, the fact that it's being reported right. means that it's been announced. Right, right. It's going to happen. The second part is that the number one guy at ESPN that handled all of the negotiations based on what I've been told with all the cable people and the conference people now has a new position. He's the athletic director at the University of Syracuse. And that's twofold. Number one, that tells me that that position was going away or changing, i.e., we don't need anybody negotiating with cable companies and or conferences, and or the ACC had been working with him, and, and he is a Syracuse alum, and in addition to duties associated with Syracuse, the conference office is going to lean on him as you would expect heavily as they finalize and move forward with the ESPN deal. So. It's going to be sooner as opposed to later based on just the things that are happening out there.
4: Yeah, and perhaps as soon as next week. What's going to be interesting is so hypothetically the commissioner in his State of the ACC address, which will come next Thursday. At 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock in the morning. And we'll hear the report on how many ACC student-athletes made the honor roll and how they love their bowl tie-ins and how everything's better on Tobacco Road, blah, blah, blah. Maybe we'll hear something about the ACC network. I would be surprised, and I'm curious your take, even if he came up and the first thing he said was, We have big news, you know, there's a video behind him, whatever. Maybe they roll us all over to the ESPN U studios in Charlotte and make some formal announcement. Even if all that happened, I would be very surprised if financial details were disclosed and if there was anything beyond a generic this new agreement is gonna keep us in the ball game with the other conferences the, the other power 5 conferences which will just lead to more questions about what
5: have we got here's my personal opinion on that unlike the other conference deals there may be some minimum guarantees the ESPN is making and then
4: there's incentives
5: but everything is on the upside and again for those that might not be aware it's kind of like when movie stars went from getting 12 or 15 or 20 million dollars for a f- picture for a movie where they would take, you know, uh, you know, take sack, amount, sack but rates, but then get percentage percentage on the back end, yeah, yeah. and that's why I don't think it's necessary that it be announced as a four hundred million dollar a year deal or whatever the number would end up being, because you've heard, you got to understand and and get attuned to listening the ACC way, because when I tell you this, you'll nod your head. You you've not forgotten. You've just not thought about it. Everything that the commissioner said over the last year, 18 months, is a partnership, a partnership, a partnership. And it's going to be a partnership financially as well as the two entities working together.
4: Let me ask you this, because what was reported or what has been reported in regard to ESPN offering sort of an a la carte package like a Hulu is that it would not be the main networks, i.e. ESPN or ESPN2, but it would be sort of niche sports, I Maybe the ACC network. You're shaking your head.
5: That's not what I understand about that announcement that came out in the last week or so. They are outboarding their entire programming well, that, this lineup. Is the, this
4: is the part we don't know, really what I'm driving at, and, and we're just guessing You know, because I read something different than what you just said, so we're just guessing on it. Would the ACC and SEC network be bundled together, which would bring in more revenue for the ACC because you'd get more subscribers, if you will, or more yeah subscribers would be the term still, But the SEC would also get a boost with the launch of the ACC network.
5: I I would think that would make sense. However, I will acknowledge that there is legitimate or even illegitimate uh, friction or competition or mistrust between the SEC and the ACC. In other words, I I could see the Southeastern Conference saying, no, we're we're up here, we're holding our own. You go out and do whatever you're going to do. I mean, it'd almost be a concession for them in some respect.
4: Because they have penetration on cable systems. But But that
5: being said... To an ACC person who, let's be real. I mean, there are a lot of SEC people out there that only follow the Southeastern Conference. I've never done the demographics, but I'll just speak for me and you. We follow the ACC very closely, but we also pay attention to what's going on in the Southeastern Conference. Right. I mean, so it would benefit folks that look like us to have those two bundled together and be able to access both of them i, I don't know what direction they'll go but i, I think it'll be interesting let me we will we'll
4: get back to florida state talk here in a minute but this has been a, i mean keith and i have we've tried not to beat you to death with this but probably once a month we dedicate a segment to the acc network and uh it may be even a, a longer amount of time here in coming weeks if there's an announcement nobody's expecting this next week and i'm not expecting it either but at some point, do you think Notre Dame comes all in on the ACC?
5: Yes. I think that's inevitable. How soon? Uh, I think that it will be as soon as NBC gets tired of paying money that, that is quite expensive for something that I keep reading and hearing they're not getting a re- good return on.
4: And something that they're not building their entire network around Correct. either. I think it will be as soon as Notre Dame gets tired of reading that the Wake Forests of the world are getting 30, hypothetically. I mean, right now the ACC is at 22, 23, 24 million. But the way the conference contracts are structured, they're backloaded. So three years from now, that even without an ACC network, three years from now, the ACC number would be 25, 26, 27. Well, Notre Dame's deal averages 15 million a year from NBC. So And it goes through 2025. So in the year 2025, Notre Dame's getting 15 million from NBC, as is currently. Wake Forest, as is currently, is probably getting double that. Northwestern, I'm just throwing them out there as a non football power that's in the geographic region of Notre Dame, they may be getting 40 or 50 million. How long does Notre Dame want to play that game that we've got our own TV network, even though the non football. Players in this college football landscape are getting two and three times as much as we are.
5: That that becomes the question. What we don't understand, particularly Tom and Keith, because we're not Notre Dame people, uh, but I know one that is, and that's Stan Wilcox, athletic director at Florida State, who who he says that's not part of the equation. Notre Dame is not worried about that ten or fifteen or twenty million dollars a year that they're not getting. Uh, I've never talked to him specifically about what he thinks might be the motivation, but I have read on several occasions that he cautions people not to just assume that Notre Dame's going to be cash-needing like everybody else is.
4: Well, the other motive that has potential motive that's been thrown out there is that they get excluded from the college football playoff. They don't play in a championship game. And so at some point... They weren't that necessary. I think when you look at it, the Notre Dame TV contract runs through 2025, which is the same time the ACC TV contract expires. And, in fact, all of them are kind of syncing up to be up at the same time. And so that's when it would be more logical to make a clean break or to bundle. And this has been talked about, too. At some point, you know, maybe ESPN gets tired of having to escalate the rights sec versus acc versus big 12 and they actually group them together and pull the money that way now the conferences
5: might not like that but uh that's going to be a tough the because you've got to sell the conferences on the coming together the
4: conferences would be the tough sell on that no question anyway long segment to point out that maybe next
5: week we say something
4: yes i don't want to say imminent because i hate to say that but we think we're going to hear something i can't say
5: that word very well
4: either so all right well one thing that is imminent is an appearance by our very own Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeldt, who will join us right after this on the front row. Seminoles.com is your one-stop shop for all things Florida State Athletics. From news and interviews to stats, analysis, and features, you're dialed in in one click to your favorite sports from your favorite program at Seminoles.com. Hear from head coaches Leonard Hamilton and Sue Semerow after practices and games. Seminole baseball season is right around the corner, and the best national signing day coverage will be on Seminoles.com. Premier multimedia coverage of Florida State Athletics is just a click away. Seminoles.com.
1: Five days only! It's a Fourth of July sale, biggest sale of the year. Only in Cairo, Georgia, and only at Hobson Chevrolet Buick. I'm Bob Hobson, and now's the time to buy. Save up to twenty percent off MSRP on selected models. Get more for your trade-in, and get the best financing anywhere. Get your best deal the first time. You won't get a better deal or be treated better than right here in Cairo, Georgia, a hospitality city. Come by and see us, or check us out at HobsonChevrolet.com. Buy your new Chevrolet the Hobson way.
3: ESPN Radio Sports
0: Center. I'm Bob Picosia. The appeal was filed May 23rd. The Second U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals today rejected Tom Brady's request to even hear the appeal. That means the ruling of a three-judge panel from that same court stands. The ESPN NFL Insider Adam Schefter on what this means for the Patriots.
1: Tom Brady's four-game suspension, barring something dramatically unforeseen, is going to stand. And Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the Patriots' starting quarterback for the first four games of the season. It's a scenario that the Patriots prepared
4: for last year.
0: They were spared that. Spared because a federal judge overturned the four-game suspension last September. The Cleveland Browns say the defenseman Desmond Bryant will likely miss the entire season after undergoing surgery yesterday to repair a torn pectoral muscle. Running back Brandon Ross was signed today by the Green Bay Packers. He was not drafted. Tigers outfielder Anthony Gose, who was suspended on July 10th following a dugout argument with his AAA manager Lloyd McClendon, was reinstated, then demoted to AA Erie.
2: Want cash back at Costco, Sam's Club, and BJ's today? Use your Bank of AmeriCard Cash Rewards Visa credit card and earn 2% cash back at wholesale clubs. Learn more at bankofamerica.com slash getcashback.
3: We're listening to The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones, only on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Here's Tom and Keith.
4: Welcome back to The Front Row. Tom and Keith with you, joined now by our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeld. Tim, how are you? I'm good, Tom. How are you? Good, good. Uh, Just to continue to fan the fames of hope for ACC brethren, Keith and I spent the last 15 minutes talking about how news appears to be somewhat imminent on the ACC network. Are you hearing Maybe kind of, sort of. Maybe sort of there'll be a big announcement next week. Is that what you're hearing, or are you still in kind of we'll wait and see?
7: No, yeah. It, it, it sounds like uh, you've heard much more chatter about it uh, over the last, really since Monday uh, than you have uh, at, at all recently. And I, I'm not quite sure where it's come from or why, but usually when you, when you start to hear that, that sort of chatter and, and there's no obvious starting place for it that that means that that uh you know those, those back channels are being worked so uh who knows but it, but it definitely sounds like something to keep an eye on i know i think david keel who covers the acc up in north carolina had written that he, he could see an, uh, an announcement coming as early as this week maybe on friday that would really be something but i think it's probably a little more likely uh, that, that John Swafford would announce something like that uh, at his address at, at ACC kickoff, which, by the way, is next week, uh, if you can
4: believe that. Well, and so, Ke- uh, so we'll see. Yeah, Keith and I already opined that if he doesn't announce something about the network at this point, it's going to be viewed as a disaster. In
5: fact, if he doesn't stand up and begin, the <laughs> by very first something. thing he says has something to do with it, I think people are going to throw things at him. Yeah.
7: <laughs> They could well, especially and maybe and you know, perhaps this is no fault of his own. Uh, you know, after all the, the speculation of the week that will have preceded that, it would certainly be a letdown to get nothing. I think I'm more curious to find out, though, rather than than an announcement on a network is is what exactly that will entail. I think at this point we probably would be surprised if it was, you know, an over-the-air cable channel, uh, you know, a la the the Big Ten Network or the SEC Network. I think most people probably would want that, but, but you know, Swaffer has kind of said several times that given the, the current media landscape that, that that might not make sense. Uh, so um, uh, yeah, I, I really am interested to see exactly what they've decided uh, decided on and what it's going to look like.
4: We all are. At the end of the day, the people I talk to, I don't think they're concerned with what it looks like. They're concerned with how many dollar signs are attached to it. And we, Keith and I are in agreement that the commissioner will not be announcing that next week, even if he does announce there's a new network. So uh, who knows? We'll see. Hey, I'm looking at my email and I see another watch list has come out and uh, not surprisingly, I wonder if these awards get together and actually calendar out which day we're going to announce the awards. But the Blitnikoff, uh watch list is out and Kermit Whitfield and Travis Rudolph are both on it. And, and as we sit here, Tim, I, I got to say that I worked at Channel 27 back in the mid 90s. I'm not going to remember the year, but it was the Tallahassee Quarterback Club Foundation that created the Bolitnikoff Award, obviously named for one of Florida State's all time great receivers. And here we are in 2016, and there's still never been a seminal that's won the Bolitnikoff Award, which I would not have predicted in the mid-'90s the way things were going at that time.
7: Yeah, it is kind of one of those, those odd little quirks of, uh, of, of Florida State's place in college football. They also haven't had, I think it's the uh, that the, the one that's been around since the early-'90s, the defensive player. They, they never right. had anybody on that. I mean, Rashad Green you know, sniffed it a couple of years ago. Uh, but but the fact of the matter is, it's... It, it's hard to look back, uh, with the exception of, of one being Peter Wark, um, and say, you know, here's a guy that maybe obviously should have should have had that award. Um, you look at Rashad Green was close, but never quite there. Kelvin Benjamin, you know, his, his last year at FSU, if he had played the entire year the way he did, the last you know third or so, uh, he probably would have won it. But uh, but so far, it's just uh, it just hasn't happened yet.
4: Well, let me ask you this: some of the uh, you know the spread offenses and the guys that are putting up ridiculous catch numbers, you're not going to see that out of Jimbo's offense where some, I mean, Rashad had a lot of catches, but some of these guys are, you know, 110 catches. I mean, they're weekly. They're 12, 14 catches, 180 yards, four scores. Uh, I mean, FSU's offense, when it's going the way Jimbo wants it to, A, it's not going to put up those numbers and B, whatever numbers it does put up are going to be spread amongst the receivers, the tight end of the running backs.
7: No, you're absolutely right. And that's kind of, you know, I always think when uh, when I'm attacking it, that I, Heisman races, um, I sort of wonder if your your highlights and your your big plays, your sports ceremony, moments, so to speak, uh, can can weigh more heavily than your actual numbers. If you can get those types of plays, like I remember, like you know, when Jameis a couple of years ago when he won the Heisman, he had all those just unbelievable, you know, circus reel, uh, you know, evading pass rushers in the pocket and and hitting guys in, you know, in the back of the end zone. I think that played as much as it ties in campaign numbers. And I almost wonder for a receiver at Florida State, if you're going to counteract those some of those, you know, those big 12 offenses that they just throw the ball 70 times a game, you're going to need some really spectacular type of plays. Think like the one that Travis Rudolph had against Syracuse last year where he kind of ran through the entire defense and was throwing stiff arms and jukes and the whole thing. Can you do that five or six times? If so, then you maybe have a chance to, to get in, in that. Well, and,
5: and to echo that, Tim, I think what you're also saying is it depends on the stage. I mean, Travis can do that against Syracuse and nobody cares. He does that same thing against Clemson, and everybody remembers it.
7: Exactly right. There's a difference between playing an, you know, an 8 o'clock game on ESPN and a noon game on uh, a regional sports network.
4: There is, although to be fair, as Florida State is playing a couple of noon games early on this year, That landscape or pendulum has shifted as well. So back in the early 90s, uh, when Florida State was in the midst of its dynasty, the the premier primetime game was the 12 noon ABC game. And they didn't put college football in primetime on Saturday. Then they figured out they could put it in primetime and it would do better ratings than everything else. And so they went that way. But now they've sort of shifted and they figured out that they can put college football on every hour of the day And why not? As long
5: as it's not 6 a.m.
4: Instead, I think ESPN, they looked in the mirror and said, we got to stop putting Indiana and Purdue on at noon on Saturday when nobody wants to watch and actually put a game of relevance on. Uh, And so FSU fans don't want to hear it, but I think that's part of the reason why you've got FSU in the noon window a couple times in September.
5: And it's also why you got pressure to go to nine conference games, so it's not FSU versus Charleston Southern. At noon, right. It may be FSU versus Wake, but at least Wake is a member of the ACC.
7: Yeah, I, I, I'm glad you mentioned it. I'm glad to see that paradigm uh, shifting a little bit. You know, I remember, especially if you're saying the 90s, all those big games, but uh, the Florida game here in 1996, the one versus two, that was a noon game if I remember. Um, I want to say the the Miami game in 1993 when Florida State beat Miami and when kind of showed that this year was going to be different, that was a noon game. Joke a doke was a day game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's nothing wrong with those. I understand, you know, from yeah, a from a, a weather really perspective, uh, it's not always preferable. But there's something about a big noon game. I don't know. It, it feels right to me. I like college football playing in the daytime.
4: Yeah, so the pendulum's shifting a little bit, even though, uh, you know, fans of Florida State prepare later kicks. I can, from a weather standpoint, I certainly get it in September. Once the heat's out of the equation, uh, I definitely would say just spread it all over. Uh, college, let's, let's shift the basketball. Malik Beasley signed his pro contract earlier this week. Uh, maybe on the same day that the non-conference schedule was announced for Leonard Hamilton's uh, Knowles. I know you've got that up on Seminoles.com right now. The, the conference schedule and the full schedule will come out later this summer. But what's your thoughts on, on what FSU's got when you look at the non-conference?
7: I think it's pretty, uh, pretty good. It should be interesting. There's not a, a single 2 road game uh, in the bunch, which is kind of interesting. They play in the preseason NIT uh, in Brooklyn. They'll play... Uh, they play they'll play George Washington in Washington D.C. Although technically that's a neutral site game, is with the BB and C Classic at the Verizon Center, so kind of a road game, but not not in, in the traditional sense. And then they will play Manhattan in the Orange Bowl Classic down in Sunrise, which they've been a mainstay in for for several years over the last decade or so. So, uh, but, but aside from that, there are some uh, some good tests there. Uh, you know, Iona made. We the, uh, the NCAA tournament uh, a year ago. The, the other teams involved are West Virginia, Temple, Illinois. There's a couple tournament teams there. Uh, Minnesota's been all right in the Big Ten. Florida uh, seems to be turning themselves around uh, under uh, under Mike White. And so, uh, you know, there's some some solid games that kind of get you ready. And I wonder if down the road that they'll regret not having a, a road game like they've had in the past, but for now, and assuming that they – they handle their business uh, in the games that they have won, and it, it seems like it should put them in pretty good position going into, into uh, ACC play. And, and you know that it's for Florida State and it's for a team in the ACC. You know their tournament hosts more often than not aren't going to come down to their non-conference schedule. It's going to be about what have you done in the ACC. So if you can, you know, get some wins in this and 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 help have some of those young guys, uh, Trent Forrest, C.J. Walker, uh, Jonathan Isaac. You know, if, if they can get those guys. Get their feet wet and get ready for the ACC, and that's probably the most important
5: thing. I still say we can marry the ACC football championship game and kind of the kickoff of the ACC regular season by playing the uh, football championship game on Saturday, playing two ACC basketball games on Friday and two ACC basketball games on Sunday, and making it a complete weekend of uh, both football and basketball, ending the football regular season and beginning the basketball regular season. But nobody listens to me. That's an interesting idea. I never thought of that.
4: I, I, I'm not giving Keith full ownership of that because I've trotted out that <laughs> idea about 10 years and whatever. it moved to Charlotte. So I'm not going to let him get away with being the sole owner of that.
5: I wondered if that was coming, Linnefeld. I, I wondered if Tommy was going to get so bristled on that. Here's the
4: thing about that. If you do that, you're basically saying that football doesn't draw well enough. But at some point, you're the ACC. Why not turn it the other way and say, hey, because if you do that, you're guaranteed to get fans. You could even do a we're, we're solving problems that for, don't for exist, per se. Per se. Yeah, you, I like
5: you, you, but I will also tell you, as it relates, we were responding three and five and seven years ago to the ACC championship game. The, the, the last last year's game was a complete sellout at seventy two thousand. It was the largest well, it was largest a- fan base in that stadium, including any of the NFL games that have been played. But
4: you're never going to get a better scenario than I get it. Carolina or Virginia Tech out of the Coastal. I get it. And, and Clemson from a geographic standpoint. Anyway, we, we digress as per usual. One, going back to basketball, Tim, uh, they, they do play two games at the Barclays uh, it, around Thanksgiving, which is good because that's where the ACC tournament is this year. Uh, and that's another train that uh, I've been happy to, uh, to drive and conduct and steer is to get the ACC tournament to New York. So that happens at the end of the season, too.
7: No, you're absolutely right. And so it's you know it's nothing wrong with, uh, with getting a little bit acclimated to, uh, to that arena and the city and all that. You know, FSU actually played, I guess it, was, I guess it would have been the preseason NIT eh, three or four years ago, so I guess there's nobody left uh, from, uh, from that group. But, no, it's, it's a good trip, and, and certainly for, for FSU to play uh, in those types of tournaments, it's good for, from, a pro, for, from a profile perspective and, and, and on that national stage. And and, uh, and Lord knows maybe even getting a, a winner or two uh, uh, on that stage would be good early in the season as well.
4: Tim, next week we will be all things ACC kickoff. All the hype, the anticipation is building as we get to head to Charlotte this year. We'll uh, we'll talk to you then.
7: I'm looking forward to it, guys.
4: All righty. Our com insider, Tim Linnefelt. The ACC kickoff next Thursday and Friday
5: which in and of itself is a change because it usually was on Sunday and Monday, and it was usually somewhere obscure, kind of like the SEC does it in Hoover. This year they're going to do it in downtown Charlotte. So everything's changing on us, Tommy, even your chair. I don't think – yes, even my chair. I'll react to that momentarily. I don't think the ACC
4: built it as obscure, by the way, for the locations.
5: Well, Greensboro's Persu- not on everybody's travel map.
4: No, no, it's <laughs> – <laughs> Oh, there's a lot to react to, including my chair, which Keith changed. More on that right after this on the front row.
6: It's the Wakulla Report, a quick take on news and events in and around Wakala. Brought to you locally by Prime Meridian Bank, Tallahassee, and Crawfordville. If it's important to you, it's important to us. Congratulations to Wakala High grad and FSU track and cross-country runner Madison Harris, who won the fourth annual Freedom Run in Wakala Springs State Park. And the Wakala County Rec Department reminds everyone that pickup basketball games are held every Monday and Wednesday in July at the Wakala County Community Center Gymnasium, 318 Shadeville Highway, Crawfordville. Call 926-7227 for details. This has been the McCullough Report brought to you by your friends at Prime Meridian Bank. Personal service, local decision-making, Prime Meridian Bank, Tallahassee, Crawfordville, or on the web at TryMyBank.com. Equal housing lender, member FDIC.
8: Hey folks, Austin Hobson with Hobson Chevrolet Buick in Cairo, Georgia. Due to the huge success, Chevrolet is holding over new car specials through the 4th of July. Save up to $10,000 on a new 2015 Chevy Silverado. Save up to $7,500 on new Chevy Tahos and Suburbans. At Hobson, we just make it easy. You'll always get more for your trade and the best deal the first time. Come in for our 4th of July blowout sale or check us out on the web at HobsonChevrolet.com. Buy your next Chevrolet the Hobson way.
3: Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in Tallahassee's All Saints District. This is The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Presented by Hobson Chevrolet. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom Block and Keith Jones.
4: We are back on The Front Row. Tom and Keith, if I sound... um
5: A little more bass in your voice.
4: Yeah, maybe not as confident or dominant as usual, maybe a little dejected. It is because before I got here, since Keith arrived first, he switched the chairs in the studio, and now he's on the mighty throne. I'm looking up at him. And I'm down here, and now that I sit here, Keith, I can understand your frustration and angst uh, from the last year when you have properly and rightly been in the lower seat.
5: Well, uh, properly and rightly is the correct, because as we went into our interview with Marvin, uh, the first thing God did is get me back for it and made me choke up. I could barely get my question out, so... (laughs) There is a divine rightness in this studio.
4: I would say that the issue with the chair is not whether I'm sitting higher than you or on equal no, it's,
5: it's it's in relation
4: to the table, <laughs> and I feel like I have a kid's chair at the adult table it's right now. It's Thanksgiving all over that for is, you. That is what the issue is with the chair. That was
5: one of the greatest days of my life is when my mom told me I didn't have to sit at the kid's table for Thanksgiving, and I got to sit at the adult table.
4: Yeah, but you still had to do the dishes afterward, which was the real downer. No, but,
5: we didn't because at my house all the guys all the, the the male kids went outside. We started playing ball. We, we we had researched and rehearsed that we left.
4: All right. Well, good for you. Did I I should have uh, known you then. Perhaps I wouldn't still be doing dishes from Thanksgiving. <laughs> all right. Let's go back to this ACC thing. Uh we threw a lot of topics out there and uh to be fair, and we're sort of getting inside baseball here because the average fan could care less where the acc media days are held but historically what has happened is you're watching this sec media circus the sec has this the sec could hold its media days on the moon and 2500 media members would show up and they could hold it over
5: they could hold over nine days because they do it over four now
4: and fans would show up all that would happen the acc historically and if you talk to uh and this is sort of a dying breed with the way the industry has changed, but beat writers and and people who make their livelihood as college football or or team beat writers, a lot of them have liked the ACC setup over the years. And quite frankly, last year was at Pinehurst, and you get to play golf. So if you're a golfer, who's going to argue with that? But it's also been in Greensboro in certain years, and there's been a golf tournament affiliated with it, but it's been more intimate than what the SEC is. By intimate, I mean that you get a chance to actually – interact with the head coaches one-on-one ask a question one-on-one what's happening now is the acc has moved to charlotte which i was a proponent of and an advocate for and i'll explain in a minute but the downside is that uh not that it's going to be what the sec is but you're getting more to a landscape where the coaches are all at podiums there's a group interview you're never getting any one-on-one time and so that's where the disgruntled media will come from my reason for being for advocating for it i I'm not a beat writer, and wasn't one of those folks. But, <laughs> but B, more than that, as the ACC has has grown its footprint, uh, you know, they don't need to to, to uh, cater to the media that's in the state of North Carolina or in Virginia. Those that have been covering the league since since its uh, inception in the 1950s, they need to make it easier and more accessible for media that are coming from. South Bend, Not in the case of football, but Syracuse and Louisville and Coral Gables and Tallahassee. The national media.
5: And and the national media.
4: and, And so from that standpoint, I was in favor of let's move it to Charlotte. It's easier to get in and out, not just from a Florida State standpoint, but for a lot of those schools. ESPNU is there. So if you want to do something with your coaches and go bring them over to you, which is what they do during basketball season, ACC Media Day in October for basketball. They have it. They've had it in Charlotte. They bring the coaches over to ESPNU and and uh, get a lot of bang for the buck there. So to me, I'm on board with this. Now, if the commissioner wants to really make things interesting, he should go up to the podium next week and say, "Ladies and gentlemen, please exit through these doors. Hop on the bus, which will take us to the ESPNU studios, new home of the ACC network." What
5: do you think? I, I, something of that significance is how John Swafford needs to do this. You know, e- coming up, even if he says, "Ladies and gentlemen," before I even get started, please direct your attention to the video boards, right? And have a three-minute pre-recorded. We're, we're building up
4: a hype that you can't hit. And, and what's interesting about this is, as we've detailed over the last however long we've been doing this show, word never leaks out about something <laughs> coming. So it's very interesting to me that this time around, and we've had David Teal on this show, that David Teal is play, and I trust what he's reporting. But but he's getting some tips along the way that something is coming.
5: But but unlike and and we heard Tim use the the back what backstream or back channels back channels. You go back and reread Teal's column a second time. There's not anything in there. Normally, when except you, conjecture. Exactly. Normally, when you leak stuff out, but you know an anonymous source that was not authorized to to go on the record i mean it's still very vague i'm suggesting that david teal is credible
4: enough that he no would, no no i wouldn't write a no. vague article but with what I'm innuendo saying, without knowing
5: or, or vetting that with somebody who said yeah that that's okay that's what i'm suggesting. here's here's what i think happened somebody called him up and gave him that information and because david is a good reporter he contacted the conference office to try to vet it. And right, verify that's what I'm saying. It. That's exactly what I'm saying. But and he, nobody in the conference office told him anything. So all he could write about was conjecture. Yeah. That's my point. And this is conjecture
4: about conjecture, is what it
5: is. It's that's conjecture what, cubed. It,
4: <laughs> all right, we will uh, finish up uh, with maybe even more conjecture when we come back and that here would on the be front row. The tenth power. Yes. Right after this.
6: It's the Wakulla Report, a quick take on news and events in and around Wakala. Brought to you locally by Prime Meridian Bank, Tallahassee, and Crawfordville. If it's important to you, it's important to us. Congratulations to Wakulla High grad and FSU track and cross-country runner Madison Harris, who won the fourth annual Freedom Run in Wakulla Springs State Park. And the Wakulla County Rec Department reminds everyone that pickup basketball games are held every Monday and Wednesday in July at the Wakulla County Community Center Gymnasium, 318 Shadeville Highway, Crawfordville. Call 926-7227 for detail. This has been the Wakulla Report brought to you by your friends at Prime Meridian Bank. Personal service, local decision making, Prime Meridian Bank, Tallahassee, Crawfordville, or on the web at trymybank.com. Equal Housing Lender, member FDIC.
8: Hey, folks, Austin Hobson with Hobson Chevrolet Buick in Cairo, Georgia. Due to the huge success, Chevrolet is holding over new car specials through the 4th of July. Save up to $8,000 on an all-new 2016 Chevy Impala. Looking for great fuel economy and technology bundled together in one package? Get a new 2016 Chevy Spark for just $13,300 or a new 2016 Chevy Sonic for just $14,200. At Hobson, we just make it easy. Come in for our 4th of July blowout sale or check us out on the web at HobsonChevrolet.com. Buy your next Chevrolet the Hobson way.
3: You are listening to The Front Row with Tom Locke and Keith Jones. Got a question? Email them at the front row at 97.9 ESPNradio.com. Here's Tom and Keith.
4: We are back on The Front Row. As we finish up, we'll go back to where we started. Which Wait, is this was, the
5: last segment? This is the last segment. Because, you know, we started right out of the box, so to speak, with, with Marvin and didn't do the appropriate at the beginning of the show. Yeah, so we're so we going to do the appropriate at the end of the show?
4: I think, unless Marvin wants to join us again, you want to you want to see if we can get him on the well, phone? This again?
5: time he'd be qualifying for the 60 right, and exactly. not the 100. <laughs> exactly.
4: We appreciate him joining us and certainly uh, wish him the best of luck at the Olympics as we discussed. This is going to be, from a numbers standpoint, I can't speak to the quality. Obviously, we'll see how that goes. The quality is elite. We're talking about the Olympics. But in terms of the success rate, I can't speak to, but the quantity, very, very good. Maybe the
5: best ever for Florida State. Prior numbers that I had heard, I've not done the research, but at the most Florida State-affiliated athletes at an Olympics in the summer previously was 12. Uh, we are currently at 18, and if two of the ladies that are trying out for their respective basketball national teams make it, could be as many as 20 uh, current or former Florida State athletes competing in Rio, so almost double previous the, high yeah so it,
4: it has been and most of those are tracked but you're right uh on the basketball court, there's a couple of uh, women, including Leticia Romero, who's the starting point guard for Florida State, trying to make the Spanish national team. So, all in all, it should be an interesting uh, interesting affair. Good to see Florida State well represented there. We let Tim weigh in on the basketball schedule. Uh, you travel with the uh, the basketball bunch. Any thoughts uh, your behalf on what you see there?
5: Uh, typical Leonard. Uh, starts slow. Uh, he knows he's going to have to play Isaac, obviously, early. And uh, in, in I'm not so worried about those away games of significance. Uh, candidly Florida State has lost those so yeah they've heard them Uh, playing at the Barclays because that's where the tournament's going to be no different than uh, what Jimbo has done in playing in in Dallas when it's going to be uh, the national championship game site or Orlando which will be one of the playoff sites uh, in uh, this season coming up. Uh, I like the schedule, and I, and I love this basketball team. I think it's going to be an extremely, extremely significant year. We didn't mention this,
4: but a, a way-too-early draft projection for 2017 had Jonathan Isaac as the fifth overall pick. The top pick in Florida State history, Dave Cowens, went number four. So the guy has not even put on a uniform and played a game yet, and there's already a projection. I mean, if you're saying he could go five, that means if he has a really good year, he might be the highest pick ever. Obviously, you got to look at who else is in the field bottom line
5: that's it's pretty good pretty
4: amazing pretty good place to uh, start building a foundation especially when a guy named bacon is back as well we are uh, not back until next week when we will be in full acc kickoff mode i know you are uh, well it's gonna be a long week for you until we till we join you again but uh, we will say hello once again next wednesday at six o'clock right here he's keith i'm tom this is the front row <laughs>
3: Broadcasting live from the Dale Earnhardt Jr. Buick GMC Cadillac Studios. This is 97.9 ESPN Radio. WTSM. Woodville, Thomasville, Tallahassee.